book of Amos today. We're working on our 8th century prophets. Sorry we had to miss a week, but that's okay. We'll keep going. This is real small text, so I'm going to look back this way. What are we trying to do? We want to get a basic understanding of justice, righteousness, and 8th century prophets. We want to identify how these relate to Jesus' day and the gospel in our current world. Discover ways we personally as contact need to shape our lives to submit to God's way and intentionally step out of our comfort zones to engage others with righteousness and justice. Because it can't just be a thought exercise. It can't just be a Facebook post. It's got to be something that we live and that makes its way into everything we do. Because that's very important. All right. Today we're talking about Amos, like I already said. There's a wood carving of Amos from a 16th century Bible translation. I can't remember where it was from. Amos means the Lord carries or upholds. Looking for a baby name? That's what Amos means. Shepherd of Tekoa, which is five miles south of Bethlehem. What's important about that is Bethlehem is the southern kingdom. So that's next to Jerusalem, not next to Israel, which is where he's going to prophesy. He prophesied during the reigns of Jeroboam II and Isaiah. I'll show you the map of that in a second. Two years before the earthquake, if you just want historical dating. Although from Judah, he was sent to Bethel in Israel with a message for Jeroboam II and Amaziah the priest. More reference on that in another spot. So, where are we? We're right here in this bubble. All right, Amos' message. Not a call to repentance. Rather declares God's frustration and judgment. Amos doesn't tell people that they should change. He says, God's done. I told Roger earlier I was going to bring the discouragement, and Ron will bring the encouragement at the end. That's a little bit true in this message. But sometimes we need to hear these things and hear what God is saying to his people because we don't want to repeat their mistakes. Popular message quickly turns to national anger with Amos. Keep that in your mind. You'll see that in a second. Most of the writing prophets. Prior prophecy was recorded in narrative and spoken word. So that just means the other prophets didn't write books. You just see them giving speeches or coming and doing stuff like Samuel, Nathan. Uh, those guys just show up and say stuff. They don't write poetry. Uh, again, using poetry, main feature of Hebrew poetry is parabolism, which looks like this. Amos chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. Okay? What do you see? Lord roars and thunders. Zion and Jerusalem are the same place. So that's a duplicate line. Pastures of the shepherds dry up. Top of Carmel withers. Okay? So we see they're going to repeat stuff for emphasis to make it stronger. Am I coming through the speakers? Can you all tell? Okay, good. For some reason, it sounds weird up here. I think it's just not used to being back here. We used to be down there. Okay, so let's look at this map. This is Israel right here. Up here. This is Judah. We've got Philistia, Edom, Moab, Ammon, Aram, Phoenicia. We're going to hear all these places in a minute. The first two chapters are going to talk about every single one of those places. And I want you to just kind of get an idea of where they are. Remember, you as the hearers today, put yourself here in Israel. Does Israel like all the other countries around them? No, they're all fighting all the time. They all have treaties or wars or whatever going on. So they're not buddies. They don't really like anybody else around them. That's just kind of how it is with these nation states. Everyone's always fighting, trying to get more land. So Amos is going to preach a message that's not good 
towards these other countries. How's that going to make you feel if you're Israel? Makes you happy. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear somebody reaming the people I don't like. Isn't that what we like to hear? We want to hear somebody else take down somebody I already don't like. That makes me feel good, doesn't it? Well, let's just sit in that for a minute. So listen for what is in the core of God's wrath towards the nations. I want you to be listening as we go through each of these for what these countries did wrong. Okay? What are they doing wrong? Amos 1, starting in verse 3, we're going to go through 2, chapter 3 in this section. We're going to look at Aram first. This is what the Lord says. The people of Damascus have sinned. Let me pull this up on my phone. It'll be easier. I don't have to whip back all the time. People of Damascus have sinned again and again. Now, in some of your translations, in most of them, it'll say for three sins of Damascus, even for four. That's a poetic way to say the same thing. They've been sinning over and over again. I will not let them go unpunished. They beat down my people in Gilead as, so, as grain is threshed with iron sledges. So I will send down fire on King Hazael's palace, and the fortresses of King Ben-Hadad will be destroyed. I will break down the gates of Damascus and slaughter the people in the valley of Avon. I will destroy the ruler in Beth Eden, and the people of Aram will go as captives to Ker, says the Lord. All right, so what was the thing that happened in this first one? Just so you get the idea of what we're trying to do here. What happened? They beat down my people in Gilead as grain is thirst with iron sledges. Who are God's people? Israel, right? Okay, so they have attacked God's people. God doesn't like this. Number two, Philistia. This is what the Lord says. The people of Gaza have sinned again and again. I will not let them go unpunished. They sent whole villages into exile selling them as slaves to Edom. So I will send down fire on the walls of Gaza, and its fortresses will be destroyed. I will slaughter the people of Ashdod and destroy the king of Ashkelon, and I will turn to attack Ekron, and the few Philistines still left will be killed, says the sovereign Lord. You feel encouraged? Nope, not yet. Phoenicia, this is what the Lord says. The people of Tyre have sinned again and again. I will not let them go unpunished. They broke their treaty of brotherhood with Israel selling whole villages as slaves to Edom. So I will send down fire on the walls of Tyre, and its fortresses will be destroyed. Edom. This is what the Lord says. The people of Edom have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They chased down their relatives, the Israelites, with swords, showing them no mercy. In their rage, they slashed them continually and were unrelenting in their anger. So I will send down fire on Taman, and the fortresses of Basra will be destroyed. Ammon. This is what the Lord says. The people of Ammon have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. When they attacked Gilead to extend their borders, they ripped open pregnant women with their swords. So I will send down fire on the walls of Rabbah, and all its fortresses will be destroyed. The battle will come upon them with shouts like a whirlwind and a mighty storm, and the king and his princes will go into exile together, says the Lord. Last one. Moab. This is what the Lord says. The people of Moab have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They desecrated the bones of Edom's king, burning them to ashes. So I will send down fire on the land of Moab, and all the fortresses in Kirath will be destroyed. People will fall in the noise of battle, and the warriors shout, and the ram's horn sounds. And I will destroy their king and slaughter all their princes, says the Lord. Woo! So what happened? What happened and why do we care, right? Damascus abused Gilead, which is east of the Sea of Galilee. 
Gaza, Philistia sold communities as slaves. Tyre sold communities as slaves. Edom, violence against their brother Israel, Jacob, and against women. Ammon murdered to gain power in Gilead. Moab desecrated the bones of Edom's king. That would have been some kind of ritual that was unholy. Are they hurting each other? Are they hurting God's people? They're not even just hurting God's people. They're hurting other people. Why does God care? Say, well, I understand why he cares when they're hurting his own people. But why did they why did God care about Moab burning the bones of the king of Edom? Ooh. Somebody said they're his people too. Amos chapter 9, verse 7 says, Are you Israelites more important to me than the Ethiopians? Asked the Lord. I brought Israel out of Egypt, but I also brought the Philistines from Crete. And led the Arameans out of Kerr. Now God made a special covenant with Israel. But God's the God of everyone, right? God's care extends beyond the borders of the country he called his own. God's power extends beyond those borders. And that was important for Israel to know and for us to think about as we think about how God thinks about the rest of the world, others outside of our body, people who aren't Christians. We've made a special covenant with God. Doesn't mean God doesn't care about others, right? Okay. Same question, we're going to look at Judah. This is real fast, two verses. This is what the Lord says. The people of Judah have sinned again and again. I will not let them go unpunished. They've rejected the instructions of the Lord, refusing to obey his decrees. They've been led astray by the same lies that deceived their ancestors. So I will send fire on Judah, and all the fortresses of Jerusalem will be destroyed. What did Judah do? Who's Judah? It's the southern kingdom. used to be part of the same country as Israel. This is where David's throne is, is in Jerusalem, in Judah. Rejected the instruction of the Lord. This is different, right? This is people that have made a covenant with God. They should know better. Led astray by the same lies that deceive their ancestors. It's mostly idolatry. They started worshiping someone else. So what's going on here? Okay, we got our map again. First, Aram. Israel's feeling good about this. They like this. Philistia, yeah, tell them. Tyre, tell them. Edom, yeah, let them know. Ammon, yeah. Moab, yeah. Oh, even Judah? We like this guy. He's beating down everybody else. What do you think's next? That's right. What's next is that was just the taste of what's been happening. Let's talk about the real problem. What's going on in Israel? This is what the Lord says. The people of Israel have sinned again and again. I will not let them go unpunished. They sell honorable people for silver and poor people for a pair of sandals. 
They trample helpless people in the dust and shove the oppressed out of the way. Both father and son sleep with the same woman, corrupting my holy name. At the religious festivals, they lounge in clothing. Their debtors put up as security. In the house of their gods, they drink wine bought with unjust fines. But as my people watched, I destroyed the Amorites, though they were tall as cedars and as strong as oaks. I destroyed the fruit on their branches and dug out their roots. It was I who rescued you from Egypt and led you through the desert for 40 years so you could possess the land of the Amorites. I chose some of your sons to be prophets and others to be Nazarites. Can you deny this, my people of Israel? Asked the Lord. But you caused the Nazarites to sin by making them drink wine, and you commanded the prophets, shut up. So I'll make you groan like a wagon loaded down with sheaves of grain. Your fastest runners will not get away. The strongest among you will become weak. Even mighty warriors will be unable to save themselves. The archers will not stand their ground. The swiftest runners won't be fast enough to escape. Even those riding horses won't be able to save themselves. On that day, the most courageous of your fighting men will drop their weapons and run for their lives, says the Lord. Oh. So what did Israel do? You know, at least the other countries have the decency to kidnap people from Israel to sell as slaves. Israel sold its own people. And when I say decency, that is extreme sarcasm, all right? They sold the righteous and the poor. They denied justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same woman. They worship at the foreign altars and false gods, wear clothing and drink wine that they gained by unjust practices. And they abused and silenced moral voices and lives. Nazarites were special people set aside to God. They weren't supposed to drink wine. They forced them to drink it. The prophets were special people set apart by God to speak his word. They told them to be quiet. So why does it matter? How do we look honestly at what's going on around us and with voices like prophets call forth something better? Because we all know that there's a lot going on that's not good, right? We look around at our country and we say there's a lot that's not good. Some of these same things we saw in Israel's list, we can see these things happening to others. Denying justice to the oppressed, that happens every day. We might not sell as slaves anymore, but we do a lot of practices that keep people down. Worship at foreign altars and false gods. We talk all the time about the temples to sports. Make those jokes. How do our actions come about by injustice? We hear about stories about slavery or child workers making our clothes. I mean, we hear about all these things. This stuff is not brand new. This stuff has been going on for a long time. And it's something that God cares deeply about and that God wants us to talk about. But you know what? When we say that, you say, well, we can point out these issues. What do we do about them? Well, what about in our city? What's going on around us? What's going on here? What's going on in our lives? How are we allowing these things to continue? How are we working to stop them? Are we? 
because it's more than just my personal rightness with God. That's incredibly important, and that is the basis of salvation. But there's a lot more that God asks of us after our baptism. And there's a lot more in the life of faith when it comes to reaching out to others and making it so other people can say yes to Jesus. So let's talk about Jesus for a second, because we need some encouragement, don't we? In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has his list called the Beatitudes. And I'm going to read it to you. Because the things that the country was doing, that we see in our world around us, is kind of the opposite to the things that Jesus says in this list. So let's talk about what we need to be focusing on. He says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The kingdom of Israel was oppressing the ones who were poor. They weren't giving them the kingdom. God gives the poor the kingdom. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's right for us to be hurting with those who are hurting right now. And it's right to give space for them to mourn, because there is much that needs to be fixed. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. We all know we can't fix this by ourselves. We know that we don't have all the power. But we've got to kneel down before Jesus, don't we? God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice. For they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful. For they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. For they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace. You hear that? Who work for peace. For they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right and just. That's the same word, by the way, diakosune, as before. He says it twice in this list. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right and just. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you and people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Jesus cared deeply about the people who the empire had their foot keeping them down. Didn't he? Jesus cared so much about those people. Jesus makes it a point over and over again to go to the people who are on the most outcast of society, the people who the kingdom hates and oppresses, the people who even the Israelites hate and oppress. Jesus keeps on going over and over and over again to these people. So what do you think he wants from you? What do you think he wants from me? Injustice comes when we try to take God's blessings on our own terms. Did you hear in that list all the ways God wants to bless us and all the ways God blesses those who do certain things that don't exalt themselves, but that drop themselves low 
They get their hands dirty working for what is right. That's the way God wants to give blessings. When we look at people in this world who are often very rich, who often have a lot of power, even people who don't look like they have a lot of power, but whose systems have allowed them to be less afraid of what's going on around the outside than other people. That's us taking things on our own terms instead of working like Jesus wanted to. So the question today, and this is the end, the question today, whose terms do you want to live on? Do you want the blessings that the feeble kings of this earth can provide? Is that who you want to hitch your wagon to? Or do you want what the king of kings can offer? If that's what we want, then I hope that's what we want. It doesn't always mean the best things in this life. But it's good. And it's just. And it's righteous. And it's peace. And it's the things that are in the fruit of the spirit, right? And those things are worth more than cash. And I hope that's what we want. We're going to continue talking about this over the next six or so weeks. we got more prophets to go through. This is a big call. And this time is a big call for us. Because we have an opportunity as God's church to speak truth and life into the world in a way that no politics can, in a way that no other things can, because they are not filled with the spirit of Jesus. Let's pray bold prayers for how we can reach out to others. Let's pray scary things that are going to take us out of our comfort zones. Because if we're just a community of Sunday morning, we're missing a lot of what the Christian life is, aren't we? We want to be a community that gets to praise on Sunday morning because we've worked so hard for God's kingdom the rest of the week. Right? So I'm going to pray for you guys after I pray. If you need anything, you can come up to the front. And uh, Ron will be up here. And we'll be singing Get Right Church with Jerome again. Let's pray. God, Thank you for today. Thank you for another chance to go your way. In places where we need to repent, God, show us. In places where you have a thing in mind for us that we've been avoiding, show us. God, help us to want your justice and righteousness in this world. Help us to have lives that reflect your kingdom. Help us to be willing to give up whatever it takes to make your kingdom come. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.